It's another week of the All Southern Show we call Y'all. Good to have you back here. If you want to connect to the Y'all Show, our number is 803-816-1170. You can find us on the web at y'all.com, Instagram, Twitter, at Y'all Show. And we are also on a couple of streaming apps out there. If you want to download it, put it on your smartphone or your iPad. Check us out. We're iHeartRadio. We're the TuneIn Radio app and Apple iTunes podcast, at least while Apple still wants to play around with all that. Welcome to the Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl. Good to have you back here on this Monday edition as we get a new week of the All Southern Show up and going, a week that we will be on the road. And maybe we'll just have a little bit of a tease and tell you we're heading east toward the beach this week. Not sure if we're going to make it to the beach, but stand by as we're heading to Carolina this week, and we'll have a little bit more information as we work our way. I'm not sure exactly where I'm going in Carolina, so therefore I can't tell you here on Monday that we're exactly going to be anchored, but it will be somewhere in South Carolina. Okay, I'll just go ahead and make a bold statement. Yes, we'll be in South Carolina, but not exactly sure as of today where we will be in god's country but we will be over there or there or down there up there sideways whichever part of the south you're in we're just glad that you could join us here even our listeners in the great state of south carolina i'm coming your way i'm coming your way and chances are i've been in whatever part of the south you're listening to me in already so there you have it all right coming up on today's y'all show we're going to have hashtag hullabaloo in the next segment you don't want to miss the fun there we're going to have at the end of the hour the y'all street business report we've got some news about walmart they're going to actually come in your house and make deliveries yes we'll have info on that plus have you ever watched cnn and seen farid zakaria and gps that he has on sundays well i tuned in to that on sunday and he had a kind of a profile report chronicle of what some countries or some companies and countries too are considering a four-day work week making that the norm and we'll let you hear what our friend farid zakaria of cnn said and we'll have that in our y'all street business report later this hour when we get to hour two we've got the latest rewind of the weekend in sports there will be more hockey to be played in the stanley cup playoffs also, we have the latest with the NBA playoffs as they're getting ready for a big game. Perhaps the team from above the border, the Toronto Raptors, will be able to capture the NBA championship and surprise everybody. We'll have info on that. Plus, college baseball, we have some teams heading to Omaha. We've got a few more teams that will be suiting up today and duking it out. And we'll find out which one of our southern teams are all heading to Omaha to be the eight teams vying for the national championship of college baseball that's coming up in hour two jerry short will be dropping by tales from takapola jerry has something to say about d-day as his father was a part of the normandy fighting in world war ii and he'll discuss that plus he'll have a little discussion with me about all the so-called conservative talk media host who use the south as a punching bag and jerry and i both are tired of it perhaps you're tired of it And we're going to go off on the great one and others who 
use the South as, as again, a punching bag, as a crux, and we ain't going to take it. And so we'll talk about all that with Jerry in hour two. All that on today's Y'all Show Plus. We want to remind you, as we work our way through the week, we've got the Barrister Bodacious Barbecue dropping by tomorrow with a delicious barbecue report. I know he's going to have something to say about the College World Series taking place in Omaha, and now you can get the grill going and watch some great baseball games starting this weekend. Also, we'll have a little preview of what all is going on y'all.com this week on the Tuesday Y'all Show. On Wednesday, we'll get a recap of what happened this past weekend in Nashville with the CMA Fest. Precious Harris will be our report on that, and we'll have an ACC report from Jonathan Leifheit Thursday. More good stuff, including the SEC Spotlight. And, of course, on Friday, we'll have a lot of fun getting you ready for the weekend, including a report on this weekend's U.S. Open. Our friend Jason Nall, the executive director of the Southern States Junior Classic Golf, will be on with his golf report. Duffers, beware. You'll want to tune in to hear what Jason has to say about the tournament taking place out in California this weekend, the U.S. Open. And, boy, Rory looked very impressive winning in Canada over the weekend. Rory McIlroy, that is a good southerner from southern northern ireland <laughs> i think he lives in florida so we'll, we'll partially claim rory a lot of southerners like rory mcelroy it's been a while since he's won i think on the pga tour so we'll have a little bit more about that on friday as it's the third major of the year taking place the u.s open all right let's start our headlines here today looking at mother nature once again we told you last week we've had plenty of rain and flooding going on in arkansas oklahoma into missouri and the south at least a third of it has had too much rain a third of it the middle portion the mid-south i would say has been just about average or maybe below average above average but nothing too drastic and then that eastern portion of the south we're talking georgia portions of alabama the carolinas it's been scorching hot it's been dry places have not seen rain for more than a month it seems and lo and behold we had that storm front move across the south over the weekend and now heavy rain is causing flooding in north carolina including unfortunately three deaths in the north carolina mountains and foothills the national weather service said sunday that six inches of rain have have fallen in parts of the region between boone and lincolnton since thursday and the three men that died saturday they died after their vehicle hit high water on a road west of lincolnton and slammed into a tree north carolina state highway patrol said the occupants were trapped inside as the vehicle submerged in several feet of water the victims have yet not been identified but in catawba county north carolina commissioners declared a state of emergency to coordinate recovery after roads were closed by high water and i know that's in north carolina in the mountains of north carolina south carolina had lots of rain a lot of really dangerous weather moving across the carolinas and in georgia over this past weekend and we'll keep our eye on that i think that area of the south is not going to be inundated with more and more rain like we've seen in arkansas and oklahoma but still much needed rain but as i talked to someone the other day yeah they didn't get any rain and now they're getting too much rain isn't it crazy how that sometimes works well that that's mother nature for you southern baptists are gathering in birmingham this week for the annual convention of the southern baptist convention delegates there in the magic city representing the nation's largest protestant denomination will likely vote on establishing criteria for expelling churches that mishandle or cover up abuse allegations 
and they may also vote to establish a new committee which would review how member churches handle claims of abuse. And we've seen Southern Baptist churches now come under fire in sex abuse by clergy and staff cases. One just broke over the weekend in the Nashville area that I was reading about. The Southern Baptist Convention, just like the Catholic Church, with so many misdeeds in the past and some continuing on, all this coming to light now. Again, when you have 47,000 churches plus as part of the Southern Baptist Convention, it lends itself for bad actors. And that's the case. And that's a, again, major topic of discussion going on in Birmingham as they gather this week for the Southern Baptist Convention. A good Baptist, Jimmy Carter, was back teaching Sunday school in Plains, Georgia on Sunday as he's recovered from hip surgery and back at it. What a great thing for the 94-year-old former president of the United States who, again, broke his hip when he got out of bed to go turkey hunting in May and he fell and had to go to the hospital for a few days. And sure enough, on Sunday, a crowd gathered at Maranthra Baptist Church in Plains where he and his wife have nursing care at home and are doing fine. And he was able to go teach his Sunday school class for the first time since breaking his hip. And this devout Baptist and Christian regularly teaches Sunday school in Plains and hundreds of visitors come for each session. And people began gathering at midnight to hear the president. And by 8 a.m., a line wrapped around that church despite pouring rain. And I saw a video of the former president of the United States at 94 years young, Man, he's quite, quite a accomplished seminarian, I guess you would call it, as he's been very devout in his Sunday school teaching and, of course, what he's done with the Habitat for Humanity and more, all after leaving office way back in 1981 as president of the United States. Jimmy Carter back going in planes teaching Sunday school. Congratulations. Here's another good story coming from the weekend. A Texas man has been found after he went missing for about a week while hiking alone in a remote area of Arkansas. And the result is what's being called hundreds of miracles. And Joshua McClatchy of Dallas, the Dallas area, he wouldn't be alive without the efforts of search and rescue teams that looked for him after he was reported missing way back on June 1st. And he also thanked his faith. McClatchy said, It's not just one miracle, it's hundreds of miracles, as the Fort Worth man, that's where he's from, and he was from the Metroplex, said he's not ready to talk about what he went through, but described the first sips of water he took after being rescued as, quote, so refreshing. The 38-year-old got lost while hiking in the Caney Creek Wilderness near Mena, Arkansas. That's about 105 miles southwest of Little Rock. And he had texted his mother after he got lost, asked her to send help. Unfortunately, he went days without being found but luckily this is a feel-good story remember that story about the woman in hawaii that went missing for about a week here we have a person in the natural state that goes missing luckily this texas hiker joshua mcclatchy is doing well and we wish him well the 38 year old back up and going now and gonna be a slow recovery some bad news is for a former Florida Gator football star. Tony Joyner has been charged with murdering his wife back in 2016. And he's arrested and charged with murdering his wife over three years after she was pronounced dead in her Florida apartment. And his wife, Hazel Obando, was found dead in Fort Myers on Valentine's Day back in 2016. 
The police at the time believe Obando's death to be suspicious and ruled it a homicide two months after her body was found, but it wasn't until Saturday that police arrested this former Florida Gator football star, Tony Joyner, who's now 33 years old, for the death of his wife. He played safety for UF from 2004 to 2007, served as a team captain his senior season under Coach Urban Meyer, a team that he actually helped win a national championship while in Gainesville on the 2006 Gators football squad. Again, he's been charged with the murder of his wife from a couple of years back. Another murder to tell you about, this happens in Middle Tennessee, in McMinnville, Tennessee, southern Middle Tennessee. A man who's kind of been famous the last few years, not necessarily for the most positive of reasons. He was in the Tennessee Army National Guard, and he got kind of kicked out of the Army National Guard, and a profanity-laced resignation letter that he wrote to the Guard, which he shared on social media, became viral back in 2016. The retired sergeant discussed, I guess, in a very, very vocal way, his displeasure with being forced out of the Tennessee National Guard. Then his image, because he got kind of popular for that letter that became out there and his letter stemmed from what's called toxic leadership that was what was reported at the time his his mugshot with the tennessee national guard ends up being taken by catfishers if you know what that is that's people who scam people in these online dating sites and women fell in love with his photo although they were being catfished by someone else and when the women found out that it was actually him, they actually reached out to this Tennessee National Guard, ex-National Guard member, Dennis Carter of McMinnville, Tennessee. And women were actually, up until recently, from all over the world, reaching out to try to have a relationship with this soldier, even though I'm not sure if he was married or what his deal was, because it was listed online that he was a lonely soldier who needed money. But that was not really the case. But anyway, there was a recent story about that that came out. But over the weekend in Warren County, Tennessee, sheriff's deputies said it was very early in the investigation, but this man has been murdered. And it ends up that this guy was murdered by what investigators said was 27-year-old Kate Pritchard who shot and killed him at the Rebels Motorcycle Club in Warren County, Tennessee. So he had trouble with the Tennessee National Guard, and he's had trouble with women all around the world that he's never met. Unfortunately, a woman there at the Rebels Motorcycle Club in Tennessee's, in the southern portion of Middle Tennessee, he ends up losing his life. And a veteran of the Tennessee National Guard from Mont Eagle, is now dead, unfortunately. Former Alabama Crimson Tide and Green Bay Packers Super Bowl winning quarterback Bart Starr was remembered Sunday at a public memorial event in the Birmingham area. This uh, for funeral for him was held at Samford University there in the Homewood area of Birmingham. His family also planned a private funeral as he was selected out of the University of Alabama with a 200th pick of the 1956 draft. And he went on to lead Green Bay to six division titles, five NFL championships, and wins in the first two Super Bowls. 
Bart Starr died at the age of 85 one week ago. He had been in failing health since suffering two strokes and a heart attack five years ago. And remember, when he played for the Crimson Tide back in the mid-50s, they were terrible, absolutely terrible. And this native of Montgomery, Alabama, decided to come back to Alabama after his time in Green Bay, and he lived in Metro Birmingham at the time of his death. He survived by his wife of 65 years, Cherry, and his son, Bart Starr Jr. But they serviced there at Samford on Sunday, remembering the great Alabama and Green Bay Packers quarterback. Here's a great story coming from our U.S. Border Patrol, which has been much maligned and attacked by the media, I would say, not fairly. But here's a story that I read about over the weekend from Brownsville, right on the border with Texas and Mexico, as a Border Patrol agent is now credited with saving a migrant woman and her young son after they were attacked and covered by thousands of bees. And the Border Patrol agency said the agent was patrolling the Rio Grande in Brownsville, and that's when bees entered his patrol vehicle. The agent was looking for the origin of the bees, when he found what he thought was just a bundle of clothing covered in insects, and then he realized it was a woman curled into a ball, he ordered her to run into his vehicle and discovered she was covering her eight-year-old boy. The child began to vomit, and the agent rushed the pair to a hospital where they're expected to recover. And this mother and child were from Guatemala. But here's the case of a Border Patrol agent going above and beyond to save lives, in this case, as bees attack them. And Again, if they were coming across at a rightful port of entry, I don't think they would have been attacked by bees, but these people are illegally crossing, and you have bees attack, you have snakes attack, you have people die of starvation, they die of dehydration, and of course, all the other horrible actors that bring them across, the coyotes from Mexico. It's not a not a pretty sight. I saw a wonderful piece on CBSN over the weekend where they followed coyotes leading people across the Rio Grande and and also out in west uh, I guess it would have been in Arizona where some of that was being filmed and it's check it out. It was pretty amazing stuff to see. And finally an update from a story we told you about on Friday to Gulfport, Mississippi and that missing kangaroo has now been found. Jojo was on the lamb, or should I say on the joey, and he's been found found about 1 o'clock Friday in the middle of the night in a Gulfport, Mississippi neighborhood. This kangaroo had been part of a school there, and Cody Breland owns Wild Acres Wildlife Photography and Mobile Petting Zoo, and he was showing animals to children on Wednesday morning when Jojo got scared by heavy rain and jumped away now the kangaroo's back home with his big brother, Mercury. So maybe that's why I, I wasn't really sure if the kangaroo was part of the school because that's where it went missing from. Maybe it was actually part of this guy's collection of mobile petting zoo. And and they just happened to be on the school grounds when Jojo the kangaroo, by golly, crikey, he went hopping along in Gulfport and luckily he went the right way he didn't go out to the gulf and get and didn't get drowned getting didn't get eaten up by a mississippi land shark and he didn't go in inland too much to places like interstate 10 and get hit by an 18 wheeler heading toward arizona or california at 75 miles per hour so good news as we wrap up our headlines that jojo the kangaroo on the loose on the mississippi gulf coast has been found 
and is safely back with his owner. Good, good deal. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got a good deal. We've got hashtag Hullabaloo. All the fun of social media madness is coming your way next. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How do I feel? Awesome. Like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Hundreds of thousands of people are discovering the relief of a fixed-rate debt consolidation loan through Avant. I paid off all my credit cards, and now I just have one easy monthly payment with Avant. And I don't have to worry about the rates going up. Avant offers you access to unsecured debt consolidation loans from $2,000 to $35,000. When I saw Avant was accredited by the Better Business Bureau, I knew that was the company for me. Do you know how good it feels to only worry about one monthly payment? Experience the relief of a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5252 when applying. Avant.com code 5252. That's Avant.com code 5252. You're catering a wedding, and the bride says, Everyone is raving about the hors d'oeuvres. My aunt was asking if you do corporate events. Now is the time when the right business card is essential, and Vistaprint can help. Head to Vistaprint.com, and you can customize 500 cards starting at just $9.99. You choose the paper, the shape, and the finish. Whatever your style, create a card that gives you the confidence to own the now. So head to Vistaprint.com and get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 2424 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 2424. It's Monday, and this is y'all, and we're getting your week started the right way. We have gone on social media. And we found the best of the best <laughs> of the best. Welcome back. It's y'all. It's hashtag Hullabaloo. And yeah, I've set this up pretty big. So it better be darn good what we found on social media. Our incredible staff here has been working overtime to pull some of the great stuff from social media. And here we go. And we find on Twitter a tweet from at June's Treats. That's June's Southern Treats. Now, June, who the heck is June? It's June Shannon. Southern Treats by June Shannon is a -a one-of-a-kind subscription box that brings a slice of the South right to your doorstep. We hope you're hungry, sugar. That's what they put on social media. Now, this isn't just some random person named June out there that's doing this. June Shannon is also known as Mama June. Yeah, that crazy reality show of the woman in Georgia. 
and she's got her own line of Southern treats. June's Southern treats at June's treats. And here on y'all, we're going to tell you a little bit more about it. As the tweet from June's treats says, treat yourself, honey. There's nothing more Southern than grits and butter, which is why I'm loving at grits bits sweet cream butter cookies in my spring southern treats box eat them up before they're gone that from june southern treats so i had to do some research i went to the website mama june's southern treats.com that that's really a real website and frankly it's a pretty impressive website check it out mama june's southern treats with an s on the end.com and you go there and it says meet june shannon y'all know june shannon is mama june proud mama proud mama to honey boo boo pumpkin chubs and chickadee last year mama june returned to television for her own show mama june from not to hot which documented her stunning transformation from 460 to 160 pounds now i don't know how she did that Maybe she did it through Mama June's Southern Treats. Don't worry, she didn't lose her appetite of her appreciation for good homestyle Southern cooking. Used to wrestling up some big Southern family-style meals, June specialized in down-home classics, regional favorites, and good old-fashioned comfort food. With Southern by June Shannon, June is bringing the best in Southern hospitality to her fans all over the world, Always Southern, always local, always what your heart needs. June's Southern Treats. Now, I don't know what all's in there, but if she ate these Southern Treats and it made her lose 300 pounds. Again, this is from her website, so I can't prove this is accurate or not. But according to her website, it says she lost 460 down to 160 from where I come from, that's a 300-pound weight loss. That seems like a lot. Now, I got to throw this out there. If you followed the Y'all Show closely about two months ago, we told you that Mama June got arrested over in Alabama, and it sounded like she might be using a little illegal drugs, and that might be why she got arrested while she was over there. I think she went to a casino this Georgian went across the state line to Alabama to the, I guess, the Porch Indian Casino. And she got into a little trouble with the law in the heart of Dixie. And I think they found some drugs. I think. Check it out. Google it. Mama June. You'll find out for yourself. But it, it appeared to me that she might be not only using drugs, but specifically, I think she had some meth, I think. And if you're on meth, yeah, you can lose 300 pounds, but the other consequences are not worth it. And so I, I hope I hope she's not on drugs. I hope I'm mistaken, but I don't I don't think I am. Regardless, hey, let's say that she lost 300 the right way, and she worked hard. And again, they documented this on her show called Mama June from Not the Hot, which I have to admit I have not seen. But we all know about Honey Boo Boo and the show that Honey Boo Boo was on with her mama mama june and now mama june's capitalizing on that with her own treats and you can check it out for yourself and they have these these treat boxes that you can subscribe to and get and one of the things right now 
are Grits Bits Sweet Cream Butter Cookies. Now that sounds yummy. I gotta try it. And we hopefully, maybe we can get Mama June on the Y'all Show pretty soon. That'd be a, a fun interview right here uh, as we get our new week of Y'all up and going. All right, let's go on from Mama June to High Rise. At High Rise TV is the account. And, and that's on Twitter. It's a Twitch affiliate, a YouTuber, a gamer, and married to at Meow Tiffany. Whoa. All right. I like that. High Rise has a photo out that says beer, crawfish, potatoes, sausage, and corn. It's a Southern thing. And their photo has that exact same combination of a beer over to the side and then the mixture of crawfish, potatoes, sausage, and corn. It's a Southern thing. Now, I guess where I come from, you substitute crawfish with shrimp. So you got some boiled shrimps to go along with potatoes, sausage, and corn. That's called Beaufort stew. That's called Frogmore stew. That's called low country broil. But when you have crawfish, as this person has, crawfish, and you have that mixed in with these other things, then I don't know what you call that. That's not Beaufort stew. That might be more like baton rouge stew or biloxi stew would be a good one or wherever else they got crawfish crawfish i'll be honest is not that big of a thing in more than half the south only in the mississippi louisiana arkansas and i would say maybe west tennessee is crawfish a big deal as you go eastward it's uh, Crawfish is not something people even know about. They might have heard of it, but you don't go have crawfish stew, and you don't have crawfish this and that. People aren't wearing wearing pearless golf shirts with a crawfish on it when they go to Atlanta <laughs> or they go to other parts of the South. It's more shrimps, not crawfish. Okay, but High Rise TV, thank you for sharing that, and that is a fun thing to share with all y'all here on today's y'all show jp mays wish i was baking at angry baking okay this is the twitter account at angry baking a cook a baker and a drinker now that's one heck of a combo there and this person at angry baking put on twitter this week i am always happy to see new deviled egg recipes hashtag southern oh my a new deviled egg recipe well we we gotta find out what the heck they're talking about and at angry baking on twitter this week was responding to a tweet from at ken jill lopez alt okay at ken j individual fun lopez now that's a mouthful Now, that person is a full-time dad and author of The Food Lab and a chef at Worstall, at Worstall on Twitter, W-U-R-S-T-H-A-L-L. And I think that's some kind of German food beer hall type thing. And this is in San Mateo, California, so not exactly in the south, maybe in the southern portion of California. But this person puts out on Twitter this week and at Angry Baking was responding to this, this new devil egg recipe. And here's the tweet. It says, a new recipe. Here's how we make our extra mustardy devil eggs at, at Wurstall. I'll get on Twitter, at 
Hall. W-U-R-S-T-H-A-L-L. Kind of like Brock Bratwurst. Worst Hall, not W-O-R-S-T, W-U-R-S-T. Good German name. Go to the website SeriousEats.com and you too can see much more about this and learn how you can make what we call here an extra mustardy deviled egg. The recipe at SeriousEats.com. You can get that from this website and this author there of The Food Lab from San Mateo, California. The Beer Hall Extraordinaire, as J.P. Mays, Wish I Was Baking, responded to that here on today's Y'all Show. And that is a little sample of hashtag hullabaloo here on this Monday edition. Hope you enjoyed the fun that we brought to you and maybe made you a little bit starving for some extra mustardy deviled eggs. Yeah, I like I like the taste of deviled eggs. The unfortunate thing for me and maybe some of you out there, too, is although I love them, they don't love me. It's one of those things as you grow old, sometimes foods kind of throw you a curveball. And when I eat a delicious deviled egg, I have the burps for a couple of hours. And I think I'll just pass. Next, anytime I'm anywhere where they have deviled eggs, I, I see them and I'm like, God, those are great. But I just, it's not worth it, brother. Just not worth it. Got to let it go. And that's what I've had to do. But I'm not letting you go because when we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch from hashtag Hobaloo to some business news. We've got some fun stuff to tell you about, including Walmart's got quite a change headed your way, or at least giving you the option. Plus, a guy on CNN, Fareed Zakaria. You've seen the name. You've probably seen him on CNN. He had a special feature on Sunday about perhaps shifting to a four-day work week. We're going to let you hear that report when we come back as we wrap up this first hour of today's Y'all. When you feel heartburn up in your throat, you'll do anything for fast relief. You might chug milk directly from the source. Okay, girl, easy. You might slurp down an entire slushie in a single breath. Oh, that didn't help. Don't try just anything. Try new Rolaids Heartburn Soothers, the only antacid that melts to leave a cooling sensation while it starts working as fast as now to relieve heartburn. Oh, that's better. Soothe the burn with new Rolaids Heartburn Soothers. Use as directed. As we watch the suburban garden gnome carefully, carefully without disturbing it, we notice that it moves like not at all. It's inanimate and utterly without brain function. But... Despite that, when a garden gnome hears about how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, it's clear to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. But on second thoughts, maybe don't watch garden gnomes too carefully. People might talk. This Father's Day weekend, switch to Sprint and we'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line with a prepaid MasterCard. That's right. We'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line. It's our way of giving you a clean slate so you can make the switch to Sprint. For a limited time, you can also pick up an iPad for Dad on us when you lease a new iPhone. It's an unrivaled pair. Celebrate Father's Day by getting Dad a special gift from Sprint. Stop by your local Sprint store during Sizzling Sprint Weekend, June 14th, 15th, and 16th to learn more. That's June 14th, 15th, and 16th at Sprint. 
Less required phone trading credit provided after online registration and new phone activation amount based on early termination fee charge or remaining balance due. Car terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC iPad 6th generation 32 gigabytes, $0 per month after 1917 monthly credit for 24 months credit apply within two bills. Requires new line on qualifying plan if you cancel early. Remaining balance due, tax due at sale. you're having a lovely day across the southeast welcome back to y'all talk with a southern accent i'm having a great day does for today i had a great day on sunday in fact i gotta throw this out there sometimes we take for granted our our rain showers in those late afternoons of the summertime or the days leading into summer as we have right now and i happen to be driving down a country road probably around five o'clock on sunday it had just rained probably an hour before so you had a little bit of that kind of fog, steam coming off the road. And I just happened to hit an area crossing a river, and it was just very rural where I was. No other cars on the road. And it was absolutely stunning. And I wasn't even in an area that would be considered to be that photogenic. But the sun was just right. It was getting ready to set. And it literally felt like, oh, okay, Lord, is this is this my last thing I'm going to see before you take me home? Because if so, what a lovely, lovely sight. And it was. And so I just want to share that with you. Plus, not far from there, I was driving and I saw something along the road that I just knew was a darn a, a buzzard. I think where I live, there's just an abundance of buzzards these days because I see them all the time. There must be an abundance of things to eat. That's why buzzards are out there. But I was in the country driving on Sunday, and I saw what I thought was a buzzard. My whole psyche was ready to say, oh, there's another buzzard. And I looked over there, and that thing was strutting its head back and forth, and it was a wild turkey. And I thought, that's cool. I haven't seen a wild turkey in quite some time. So that was a great sight to see. So, yeah, I had a good day, and I thank you all for letting me share my my travels on the back roads of Dixie. And hopefully, if you haven't got out lately and travel the back roads, go toward the end of the day. Like I said, go around four, five, six o'clock this time of year, especially when that sun starts to sh- go down and you got the, the great orange looking tint to the sun. Oh, it's, it's pretty. It really is. And if you can time it to where you go just after a little rain shower, Makes it even prettier now. How about that? All right, let's start out here. We didn't start this segment to talk about nature, but hey, why not? We have a great part of the world we live in, right? Let's talk a little southern business, if you don't mind, and what's impacting the bottom line across the southeast. Well, we know that Arkansas, Oklahoma getting hit by flooding, and the Federal Emergency Management Association is facing an unexpected challenge in meeting the needs of the many people affected by the spring's widespread flooding and violent storms, they're facing this unexpected challenge of a strong economy. 
and tasked with responding to natural disasters that seem ever more frequent and destructive, the FEMA agency finds itself further challenged by the robust job market and an inability to match what the private sector can offer in many cases. So that story out this weekend from the Associated Press, you might want to go read more about it, but FEMA saying that they've got a challenge trying to help out people affected by these widespread floods, a strong economy. I don't know exactly what all's there, but check it out. That's just a little tease, we call that in the business. Now to Walmart, based out of Arkansas. Walmart is planning to deliver inside homes. And if you trust Walmart walking into your home, delivering fresh groceries, and then putting them in your refrigerator while you're not home, that is something they're striving to do. As Walmart said that they'll be offering this new service this fall for more than a million customers in three cities, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Vero Beach, Florida. And then later this year, the service called In-Home Delivery will also accept returns for items purchased on Walmart.com. The new service, which was announced just on Friday ahead of Walmart's annual shareholders meeting in Fayetteville, Arkansas, is part of the company's drive to expand its shopping options that include curbside pickup and online grocery delivery and cater to time-starved shoppers. That from Walmart. Coming to your house, putting them right in the old refrigerator. I don't know if that would be a good thing or not. All right, here's an update on Keystone XL's oil pipeline. A court has lifted its injunction that's blocked the Keystone pipeline. This happened out in Montana. The appeals court lifted a judge's injunction that blocked construction of the Keystone XL oil pipeline from Canada to the U.S., But the developer has said it's too late to begin work this year, and environmental groups vowed to keep fighting it. And a U.S. Court of Appeals, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, this three-judge panel Thursday of last week ordered dismissal of the lawsuit by a group saying President Donald Trump had revoked a 2017 permit allowing the $8 billion pipeline to be built. So that, perhaps good news for all the pipeline workers out there looking to get into the building of a pipeline across the middle portion of the country. And finally, on Sunday, when I was flipping through, I found Fareed Zakaria's show on CNN. It's called Fareed Zakaria GPS. A pretty unusual show for the rest of the shows out there, but I watch it sometimes. It's really intriguing to see what kind of guests from around the world he brings on to CNN. And Zakaria, on Sunday, on his report, he featured the discussion about a potential four-day work week. And I thought this was something that the rest of y'all would maybe want to listen in. And is that something that we would accept and 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 take hold of here in America and go gangbusters with a four-day work week for all y'all? Here's Fareed, Fareed Zakaria's take on it and his input from others about this potential shift of our work schedule. Summer is nearly here, and with it, for the lucky ones, comes one of the season's greatest gifts, Summer Fridays. An extra weekend day is always welcome, but what if it were the rule, not the exception? In other words, what if Summer Fridays were available all year long? It may sound outlandish, but the idea of a four-day work week is gaining ground in many rich countries. Take the UK, where work hours have been creeping up in recent years. Here's the head of Britain's National Federation of Unions, Francis O'Grady, at a recent conference. I believe that in this century, we can win a four-day working week 
with decent pay for everyone. If you take a long view, this isn't a crazy thought. Throughout history, technology has allowed people to work fewer hours over time. As Wired notes, early industrial workers had a grueling six-day week. In 1926, Henry Ford did something unusual. He gave workers a two-day weekend, egged on by unions and enabled by production line economies of scale. Eventually, this became standard. John Maynard Keynes predicted that technology would make us so efficient, his grandchildren's generation would only clock in 15 hours a week. That was clearly an overshot. But the British economist Robert Skidelsky told Bloomberg that judging by historical trends, people should be working an average of 33 hours per week today. They're closer to 40 hours in Britain, and a 2014 Gallup poll showed full-time workers in the U.S. work even more hours each week. But some companies are now bucking this trend. The UK-based insurance sales company Simply Business told The Guardian it would pilot a four-day work week for some of its 500 employees beginning in September. The New Zealand-based estate management company Perpetual Guardian piloted four-day work weeks last year. Employees had to adjust. They shortened meetings. Some used flags that functioned as do-not-disturb signs on their desk. Most importantly, perhaps, to increase efficiency, they had to cut back on browsing the Internet. The company claimed that workers were as productive in four days as they used to be in five, and they were more engaged and less stressed. As Bryce Covert notes in the New York Times, at a certain point, adding more and more hours in the office or a factory does not seem to get better results. The Stanford economist John Pencavel found that after 49 hours of work per week, productivity actually falls. And in the U.S., fatigued workers cost employers $136 billion a year. So is less work actually good for the bottom line? Well, not necessarily. Look at Sweden, which conducted a 23-month experiment in shortened work hours that ended in 2016. 68 nurses in an elderly care home in the city of Gothenburg took six-hour shifts instead of eight-hour ones. At the end of the trial, the nurses were healthier, happier, and called in sick less. But the city did have to hire 17 new nurses to cover the slack, and the trial cost $1.3 million. So if you're looking at balance sheets, it may be hard right now to justify a four-day work week. But if you're looking at a more equitable, healthy society, the argument writes itself. One study found that if the U.S. kept working hours in line with European standards, it would consume 20% less energy and cut carbon emissions by 3%. And a standardized four-day work week could also reduce the gender pay gap, making it easier for parents to share childcare duties and not forcing young mothers into less demanding, less lucrative work. In sum, better health, cleaner air, progress toward gender equality. Who knew that extending summer Fridays could have such a big impact? CNN weekend host Fareed Zakaria, and that's from his show on CNN called Fareed Zakaria GPS, where they talk about a potential four-day work week. And who knew that Henry Ford kind of helped get the whole 40-hour-a-week deal going way back 100 years ago as the unions pressed him to go from a six-day work week to a five-day work week, which then kind of became the standard across our entire country. 
That, again, from Vavreed Zakaria, GPS on CNN. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Hope you're going to enjoy the second hour of the Y'all Show. That's coming up after the break. We're going to look back at the weekend in sports. We'll tell you who all's heading to Omaha for the College World Series. Plus, we'll have the Teller of Tales from Taco Bowl to drop by. Jerry Short is coming up. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Smear a bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How do I feel? Awesome. Like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Hundreds of thousands of people are discovering the relief of a fixed-rate debt consolidation loan through Avant. I paid off all my credit cards, and now I just have one easy monthly payment with Avant. And I don't have to worry about the rates going up. Avant offers you access to unsecured debt consolidation loans from $2,000 to $35,000. When I saw Avant was accredited by the Better Business Bureau, I knew that was the company for me. Do you know how good it feels to only worry about one monthly payment? Experience the relief of a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5252 when applying. Avant.com code 5252. That's Avant.com code 5252. You're catering a wedding, and the bride says, Everyone is raving about the hors d'oeuvres. My aunt was asking if you do corporate events. Now is the time when the right business card is essential, and Vistaprint can help. Head to Vistaprint.com, and you can customize 500 cards starting at just $9.99. You choose the paper, the shape, and the finish. Whatever your style, create a card that gives you the confidence to own the now. So head to Vistaprint.com and get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 2424 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 2424. It's the second hour of the Monday, y'all. Welcome back. I'm John, and we are going to talk about the South in a huge way. We've got your sports recap of the weekend in just a sec. Also want to tell you in just a few minutes, we're going to welcome in the teller of tales from Takapola, Jerry Short. Short Stories is coming up, and can't wait to find out what Jerry's got on his mind today. If you've got something on your mind, we welcome that. Our number is 803-816-1170. Our website, y'all.com. And you can find us on the streaming apps. And those would be the TuneIn Radio app, the iHeartRadio app, and the Apple iTunes podcast app. All free, all right there. All you got to do is go on and search Y'all Show, and you'll be set up to listen to our show every single day. We'd love to get your input, and certainly would love for you to continue listening to our all southern show right now we'll kind of look back at the weekend in sports and on sunday evening in st louis the st louis blues had a chance to take home the stanley cup and there along with mighty mississippi river there in st louis the blues well they were off tune and they could not pick up the win 
The Boston Bruins won 5-1, and the Stanley Cup Final continues to a seventh game later this week. But a classic series going on in the NHL right now. The NBA, you could have a winner of that tonight above the border as the Toronto Raptors, who have a 3-1 series lead in the NBA Finals, can put away Golden State. That game set for a 9 Eastern, 8 Central start on ABC. Quite a surprise if the Raptors claw the Warriors and take home the NBA National Finals and win the World Championship of NBA. Oh, man, what a big upset that would be. Now to some college football news. And Texas A&M's Derek Tucker was arrested last week. And it was arrested from a March incident in which the defensive back allegedly assaulted a man over a disagreement about tacos. Tacos! Yeah, as outlets have cited an arrest report that said Tucker and another man had what was called a disagreement over tacos when they got into a mutual altercation. According to the report, Tucker left the scene before returning and allegedly striking the man from behind, causing swelling on the man's head. Derek Tucker. Texas A&M. And according to jail records, he was arrested by Texas A&M police on Thursday, charged with assault and causing bodily injury, released that day on a $5,000 bond. He'll be a junior in the 2019 season. He started eight games for the Aggies back in 2018, recording 21 tackles. And Texas A&M told the Houston Chronicle that it's looking into the incident, but not exactly Good news for A&M's Derek Tucker getting into a fight over taco beef. Oh, my. We've seen and covered just about everything here on the Y'all Show. Well, one thing we're covering these days is college baseball, and we have got the results of some teams that are already Omaha bound, and today there's going to be some other teams that will be trying to punch their ticket Omaha. They'll have a third and deciding game going on in college baseball today, but we can tell you already some teams that have punched their ticket. The first team to punch its ticket was Dan McDonald and the Louisville Cardinals as they defeated East Carolina in two straight games, and they are back in Omaha. Prior to Dan McDonald coaching the cards of the ACC, I don't think Louisville had ever been to the College World Series, and here they are going back for probably the fourth or fifth time in the roughly 12 years that Dan McDonald's been coaching the U of L in college baseball now they're going to have that game there's the cards are heading to omaha another team that's roared back and heading to the omaha the college world series the vanderbilt commodores they picked up the third game in a series against duke on sunday winning 13 to 2 great job by tim corbin and great job by mr rocker that would be the pitcher for Vanderbilt. He threw a no-hitter in the Saturday game, a, a must-win for Vanderbilt. And here's a guy whose father is Tracy Rocker, who was a star football player for the Auburn Tigers and played in the NFL and went on to be a major assistant in college football. In fact, Tracy Rocker is now an assistant coach at that other team in the state of Tennessee, the Tennessee Vols is where Tracy Rocker is currently a coach of. And now his son is a college baseball pitcher who actually snubbed the Major League Baseball ranks to go to Vanderbilt. His mother wanted him to go to Vanderbilt. He went to Vanderbilt, and he pitched a no-hitter on Saturday. Kumar Rocker, nine innings pitched, 
a complete game no hitter. The first no hitter, I think, in postseason baseball in about 25 years. And I think it's the first no hitter ever in a super regional. And this done by the Vanderbilt hurler. And then Vanderbilt, which had to win that game, they'd lost that first game on Friday to Duke. They stormed back, win that game. They win the game on Sunday. And now Vanderbilt heading back to the Omaha for a chance to win another national championship. Good job, Fandy Boys. Other teams that punched their ticket and are heading to Omaha, Texas Tech. Tech and Oklahoma State split their series. They had a deciding game three on Sunday. And the Red Raiders and Lubbock defeating their Big 12 rival in OSU. And they're going back to Omaha for maybe the third or fourth straight year. An impressive dynasty going on there with Texas Tech. They still haven't won a national championship. Something Red Raider fans want to accomplish. Another team that punched his ticket, and what a turnaround. Florida State, on Sunday, they had their second game in the three-game set against LSU, and FSU won that first game. And on Sunday, in the second game, in 12 innings, they had a walk-off 5-4 win at Alex Box Stadium in Baton Rouge, and Florida State, which was eliminated, they went 0-2 to start the 2018 postseason. They come back this year. Mike Martin, the veteran coach, he leads his ACC program back to Omaha, getting a big win against LSU this past weekend. All right, those are the teams we can tell you for sure that are heading to Omaha. Now, there's some work to still be done for a few teams, especially some SEC teams and a few ACC teams. As North Carolina and Auburn have split their series, they've got a deciding game going on today. Also, in the SEC, both the Arkansas Razorbacks and the Mississippi Landsharks have split their series as Mississippi stormed back on Sunday with a commanding 13-5 victory in Fayetteville. Those two teams will decide this one game to decide who goes to Omaha today. And that other team that plays college baseball in the SEC from the Magnolia State, Mississippi State, they win their first two games against Stanford and Chris Lamonis' team going right back to Omaha. Remember, last year, Mississippi State actually played for a national championship and couldn't get it done, but they've got a chance to repeat and redeem themselves here in 2019 with a new coach, and what a great job there in his first year in Starkville for Coach Lamonis and MSU. And that is a quick look at college baseball and all things else sports-related to get this second hour of the Monday show underway. When we come back on y'all, don't go anywhere. We're going to have the teller of tales from Takapolaway, Jerry Short. He's got a lot of good stuff he's going to get to, and you do not want to miss it. That's up next is y'all with John Rawl continues. You're catering a wedding, and the bride says, Everyone is raving about the hors d'oeuvres. My aunt was asking if you do corporate events. Now is the time when the right business card is essential, and Vistaprint can help. Head to Vistaprint.com, and you can customize 500 cards starting at just $9.99. You choose the paper, the shape, and the finish. Whatever your style, create a card that gives you the confidence to own the now. So head to Vistaprint.com and get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 2424 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 2424.
the wild frontier. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Continuing on with the Monday edition of Y'all Talk with a Darn Southern Accent and Darn Proud Southern Accent, too. I'm John Rawl. We welcome in now at this portion of the Monday edition, the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short. It's tales from the short storyteller himself. Hello, Jerry. Hey, John. Well, you just woke me up here with that uh, darn proud of that Southern part. Yeah, we're we're Southern proud, and we make no apologies here on this show. No, we don't. Uh, we don't have to make apologies, even though. It seems like some of the other part of the media uh, try to. And that is uh, a cliffhanger. That's what we call a cliffhanger, folks. Stay tuned in just a few minutes when we go to break and come back. Jerry and I are going to have a discussion about how media, specifically conservative media, or as I say, so-called conservative media, use the South as a punching bag, and I ain't going to stand for it, Jerry. I've had enough, too, so let's get at it. Well, we will, but let's do something a little bit more important than that. Last week, Jerry, it was the 75th anniversary of D-Day on June 6, 1944. Thousands and thousands of Allied troops poured onto the beaches of Normandy, and I think it was around 4,000 Americans lost their life in the struggle that day and the days to come. And, Jerry, we kind of touched on some of our military history with you in the past, last week, too. But we didn't really get a chance to talk to you specifically about your own heritage when it comes to D-Day. And we want to give you a proper opportunity to talk about your father, a World War II veteran, and anything else you might want to add about such an important date as we had last week, June 6th, D-Day. Sounds good to me. And, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, also, you know, I got one relative that uh he didn't live to see dj as a matter of fact he was fighting in the uh in the pacific uh theater and uh he invented skip bombing but he's part of the greatest generation even though he was killed in uh 43 in new guinea uh he was a pilot and his plane went down as he was a major as he was leading his men out for a mission and uh i just like to you know, before we get on the ones that hit D-Day, just say that uh, how proud I am of him and, What's his, and name? his contribution. Kenneth McCuller. And uh, he was really famous. And uh, my family heard that uh, my mother's side, they heard that he had been killed in, in New Guinea uh, by Walter Winchell. And I'm sure a lot of people, uh, older people would recognize that name as he was probably like uh, one of the, well, he was like Walter Cronkite of um, later days. You know, he was the he was the voice that you would hear on the radio before the television, the invention of the television, and he broke, broke the news out that uh, my mother's cousin had uh, died in that plane crash, and she had a big scrapbook of him and things he had done and the missions he had flown and what all he had done and how he, in, how he invented skip bombing. And, and I know she really, she grieved over him because he came home and he came home the uh, month before he got killed. And he told her at Sunday school coming out at the front door of the church in the country, kind of a country 
church that where, where really was his church where was he from his church was in panola county mississippi in a small town south of baseball called pope p-o-p-e okay and uh he told her and he's buried in uh he's buried in baseville in the city cemetery which uh you know they brought his body back because the plane crashed uh on the runway taking off so yeah oddly enough i know the story yeah people couldn't guess in a million years how this guy who i think wasn't he on the cover of life magazine yeah he was on cover of life and, and then they used his uh invent inventing skip bombing they made training films out of that and training brochures and uh and he was really you know really really something far as uh those b-52s and uh he was he was something he was something else and hmm. they were proud of him and we all and i was proud of him as a young kid because my mother kept his uh his tradition and uh his valor alive with me you know she had a big scrapbook full of his stuff yeah and so uh you know things like that i wish people would continue to do i wish people would talk and ask about things about their ancestry and let's go all the way back to 18 uh, early 1800s sure. it's uh you know uh as i think uh william Faulkner said uh the past is uh is never dead it's always the past and it's here the past is live so Thank William Faulkner said that. Yeah, he said something along those lines. Jerry, I wanted to make sure before we move on from McCuller that, uh, unfortunately, as you said, he was killed when his plane crashed on takeoff in New Guinea. And of all things, relay what actually killed this World War II aviator out there in the Pacific Theater. Well, he was a major, and he did not have to go on these missions, but he loved it. And, uh, of course, they bombed him up and filled him full and ready for a, a, a real mission. A real, a, it was a real important mission at the time, so he wanted it. And as he took off, his, he didn't have his uh, his running gear up. It was still down. It was hadn't cleared hadn't cleared the ground, but just a little bit. And it, it's an animal. It's it's like a kangaroo, but they call it something else. Is it a wallaby? But yeah, it's that's what it is. You knew. And uh, it, it, it got up in those doggone uh, running gear and flipped that plane back down where it hit the ground. And when the wheels hit the ground, it flipped the plane over. When it flipped the plane over, what happened? Every bomb on it blew up. God. And they said when his men went over him, they dropped something, you know, a handkerchief or some memento of his. And... Uh, they went on, and the name of his aircraft was uh, the Blackjack, and uh, he had named it that because uh, Blackjack uh, is a community named Blackjack around where he lived, and he was also kind of a gambler, I think. <laughs> and, and yeah, obviously, gambled in lots of different ways, but uh, he named the, the aircraft the Blackjack, and uh, so it, it was, you know, it was big, big deal, and yeah. it it was when it's New York and. In those times, and you're in the South Pacific, and you're going out, and you're, they say he took out more Jap ships than anybody until he died. And that, uh, ironically, uh, just on a side note, that uh, the plane, the Blackjack, 
yeah. was found, uh, kind of like the Titanic. Titanic was found. It was found not many years ago, and you can look it up on uh, the internet. And they went down in real clear water, crystal clear water, and uh, it's it's under the under the. It was coming back in with another pilot, and they fixed it, even though it blew up. I don't know how they fixed it. Oh, I know what it was. He wasn't in the blackjack. He was in another plane because they were doing something to the blackjack. Uh-huh. And so another pilot, another pilot took the blackjack out on the next mission or two. And then he crashed coming in. And when he crashed, what they found, they've actually found the blackjack. And I've seen footage of it looking on the internet under the, uh, under the uh, Pacific. And it's, it's really ironic. It's, Kind of like looking at the Titanic, you're looking at it. It was such a historical, it's kind of like the Memphis Bell, you know, one of those historical planes. And, uh, and I think the Memphis Bell made, made probably more missions without getting shot than any. Yeah. I used to play in it as a kid, had it in a park in Memphis. And we would, me and my cousin, Kurt, we would go over there and it was by his mother's office. And, uh, we would play in that plane. It was just like a, just like anything out in a park for kids, the Memphis Bell. And Memphis finally moved it down on the river and put a cover over it. But they didn't cover it. You know, they, evidently they didn't have the finances to keep it up. And I think it's in St. Louis or somewhere up up the river now. Somebody else has got it, and they're keeping it up hmm. because it's such a historical play. Well, that was just a little certainly want to salute the sacrifice of so many great world war ii men who didn't come home including kenneth mckellar there of pope mississippi your distant cousin a little bit closer to you jerry is your own father who participated in the d-day uh i guess invasion i'm not sure which wave he was a part of but if you want well, if you don't mind tell us a little bit more about what your dad did as he survived that fateful day of june yeah, 6 he, well you know, he, he did, and he, what happened with him, of course, they trained, you know, in Ireland and all over there and Belfast and places. And, and then when they, when it come time for D, they loaded up. I mean, I don't know, he's, they told me they were ready to ship out and, and they called it off and, and they, they went out. But his wave, I'm not sure about it. I think it must have been, he must have drawn a lucky, uh, straw. Because he wasn't on the first, second, or third, or fourth, I don't think. Because those book, those boys, they were they were real, they were real heroes. I mean, anybody on those first waves, you just got to say that uh, when you got ninety percent casualty rate, when those doors come down. But I know only thing he's told he told me that when he came in, and, and you know, there's already a lot of. A lot of pill boxes maybe had already been taken out and uh he said he was looking for a fox hose and fox hose were uh supposedly we'd pro supposedly we'd had aircraft had gone in uh before the landing and dropped bombs to create fox holes but they missed their targets so when we when our when our landing crews came in the first waves or two or three or four they were looking for foxholes also, but there was no foxholes to be found because it, we'd missed our target trying to create foxholes. So you were facing a pillbox straight ahead with German machine guns 
staring you and bazooka staring you in the face. But he came in and they went on in and they, they uh, you know, by the time he, by the time his wave come in, I feel like maybe they had already kind of <clears throat> secured some of the area where they could climb the, uh, the cliffs a lot easier. And he got it, they got up and, and they, they went all the way down the, the top of uh, the cliffs at Normandy and went down that way. And then they turned and they went in and they joined up with Patton. The outfit, if anybody's interested in it, was they were like the 121st uh, Infantry. And uh, they were called the Blue Bonnets because uh, I think they originated pre-Civil War out of uh, Georgia. And they were blue bonnets. And, of course, they were in the Civil War. And then they deactivated them, and they came back. And they, when they came back, they came back for World War One, And then that's where he went for World War Two. I think they had South Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama, Mississippi boys mostly from the South was in that 121st uh, Infantry Divisions. So uh, they went on, and they, they hooked up, and they went through areas that uh, you read about, you've seen in movies, you've seen uh, something, you know, like the Black Forest and uh, the Battle of the Bulge, which uh, the Germans were pumping so many people in there that they were bulging that area up. And I think that's why they call it the Bulge. And, you know, there's another thing that I, I like to ask people and, and people really don't remember. Do you know what D-Day stands for? And I know you do, but there's a lot of people that probably don't even, have never even thought about what D-Day might stand for. But the D in D-Day stands for day. Hmm. So in reality, it was Day-Day. But that was what they used as a code, Americans, to keep the Nazis from uh, knowing anything about what our mission was. So D-Day... Whenever an H was our, so they'd use D and they'd use H. So they just stuck with D-Day. But uh, as far as my daddy, what I remember most, he would mostly just, he didn't like to talk about some of that stuff. I know he he went all the way into uh, the Rhine River and across it. And then they even doubled back and come back through Berlin, I guess, after Russia. I think Russia was the first one in there. I think we stepped back and let Russia have Berlin. and uh, But they came back that way, and I know he stayed in Paris a lot after that, and, you know, after we liberated them. But uh, if the, he wouldn't talk much about fierce fighting. Some of the things he talked about about fierce fighting was stuff like, I remember he told me uh, him and one, one guy was out on uh, patrol one night, and they looked out there, and he said, hey, isn't that haystack? You see that haystack over there? Wasn't it down the road while I got? And he said, no, I don't think so. And then one long loop back around or something in a Jeep. And he said, hey, I know that haystack was over there. <laughs> and, and it was a German tank covered with hay. And they hauled, they hauled, boy. They, they were going back to their side, back in, inside their lines. And this tank shot at them and just missed them. So, you know, that was kind of a funny thing. So I don't know a lot about the real serious stuff because he didn't talk a lot about that serious stuff, especially when they got into some of those uh, prison camps or those Nazi camps or 
that uh, mm, stuff that you don't even like to think about. I've seen pictures in his army book of those people that arms are about, uh, gosh, not a half an inch around in circumference. I mean, it's just unbelievable how they had starved them down and stacked them up in bone piles. And, you know, he saw a lot of that. And I'm sure, you know, that uh, that takes its toll on him. And I would say young man, but my daddy was kind of old when he was drafted uh, or joined. I really don't know if he was drafted or joined. I need to find that out. He was, You in, know, when you're young. He, was, he would be in his, what, mid-20s when he went in? He was born in 16, so he would be about 24, 5 or 6 or something like uh, that. They, they, most people call that mid-20s. Yeah, I guess so. You're right. You're, you're, you're usually right. I don't need to contradict you. I'm always but, right, Jerry, except when I'm wrong. I, I know. Yeah. Well, that's 50-50. That's, that's better than my 25-75. But, uh, but, but anyway, uh, you know, he was an older man. I know when I was born, he was 29, and he got married as, many, as soon as he got home. So uh, I'm saying he got home when he was 28. Yeah, probably. And uh, so, you know, that's pretty old for a guy to have to go through that. You don't think that's old, but you've been through the Depression. That's the reason the greatest generation, one reason the greatest generation was the greatest generation. They'd been through a Depression. I know that they would tell me they didn't have underwear. They didn't have anything. Luckily, they had a good bit of land, and they was able to farm for themselves for mostly things to eat. And they was able to grow livestock or hogs or whatever you needed and, and put it up and put it in the smokehouse. So they, they had it tough, but this generation today, and that'd be almost, that'd be including myself even, it would be tough on us. The only thing that probably would survive for us would be that we saw uh, so many good movies like uh, Hell and Back with Audie Murphy, mm-hmm. you know, America's Greatest Decorated Soldier. And things like that that we grew up with saying, hey, I can do that. I can do that. But these kids today, you know, everything's kind of a kind of just a fallacy to them. They don't really realize that, hey, it's real. You know, it's not play. It's not Hollywood. Well, and we didn't think that when I come up. Sure. And so so many of our great soldiers like your father, which your dad's name was and where was he from? Frank Short, Takapola. All right. There you go. Takapola, Mississippi. Born in Takapola. And I think buried in Takapola. So. Buried in Takapola. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Takapola through and through. Yeah. He, uh, he got, he got a little rank every now and then, but he was bad about fighting. As a matter of fact, I, I was told not too long ago for somebody from Takapola that he came home with a good bit of money. And one reason he came home with money was, he won at fighting. I think he was one of the battalion uh, champions in boxing. I've got pictures of him with boxing gloves on. Hmm. And, uh, and his nose was broken five or seven times. <laughs> so, you know, and his nose was kind of flat. <laughs> Looked like somebody did it with a two before. So, so he had a lot of Indian blood in him. That probably helped. Survive no telling, but luckily but, but, he got back, and luckily a lot of our GIs made it home. But certainly, without the uh, certainly came home with scars of war, and some of oh, that we call PTSD now. But your father had, I'm sure, his own 
dealings with the he had his own he had his own PD. But yeah. you know they wouldn't say it, they wouldn't mention it because in that day and time, that would probably be a sign of weakness. Yeah, and so nobody would say they had anything wrong with them unless somebody become an alcoholic or something like that. Yeah, you would you would never dream that anything had ever happened to anybody and. And, uh, you know, uh, something I was wanting to talk about uh, a little bit about uh, my um, daddy's, uh, my mother's best friend's husband. And uh, uh, that was my daddy's uh, uh, daddy's uh, sister. Mm-hmm. She introduced my parents ah. right after they came back from World War II. And uh, my uncle... It was her husband. He was a paratrooper. And I don't have all the details, but I'm going to get them because I've gotten really interested in all this stuff now. But he was he was such a kind and, and good man. And uh, he had a really good job with uh, the tractor company that was, uh, um, what was that tractor company in Memphis at the time? International Harvester, maybe. That's what it was. And... You know, he come back and he went straight to that and and worked his way up pretty high. And uh, doggone, he never had a complaint one. And he was captured on one of his jumps behind enemy lines. So when he was captured, I know it wasn't, it wasn't D-Day capture because there was snow on the ground. And when I got my airborne wings, that's the first thing I did. I went by to tell him. <laughs> I wanted him to know that he had somebody that he had the airborne wings too. And, you know, you, it's kind of a, I know it's a really a kind of a weird thing. You get wings, you think, oh, look at me, man, I got airborne wings. And uh, so I went by and told him, and he told me a lot of stuff about uh, how his deal went down and they were flying in. And, but I didn't ask him if, I know it wasn't the first uh, wave. Yeah, it was probably back in the Around the Battle of the Bulge, I assume, somewhere yeah. around there. I, I think that's what it was. Or too. it could have been after that when they parachuted into Germany. What was your uncle's name? His name was Herman Duncan. Okay. D-U-N-C-A-N. And uh, he he got captured running in the snow, he told me. Hmm. And he went down a, a kind of an incline running, trying to get away after uh, they landed in all that old snow and ice and stuff with a parachute. And back then, parachutes weren't like they are now. Mm-hmm. Parachutes were heavy, heavy cotton, white. They didn't have any toggle pulls on them. You had to pull them things up against your chest and pull your whole weight. And, boy, that wouldn't work for me today, would it? Yeah. And you had to pull your whole weight up. So and then then you might – they got weight. They call it a P, uh, parachute landing fall. And, um, oh, PL, PLF, yeah. Yeah, you know, you've heard of that. So, <laughs> I've heard of it, but I'm trying to sound like I'm a airborne, but I'm not oh, airborne. Well, I'm a dirty, nasty you leg. PL, you know when you did your PLF? Yeah, yeah. You had to make sure that that uh, – he told me when they hit the ground, the wind was blowing really hard, and you got a quick release on the front of your parachute. It's right to, uh, it's kind of uh, above your uh, reserve chute. So you get that reserve chute out of when in you – Take your hand and you slap it, uh, uh, release that quick release. Yep. And then you, then you raise your arms up if the wind's blowing, 
and the, uh, the parachute will blow out from under your arms. But for best I remember what he told me, his chute was caught in something and didn't blow out. So it drug him a little ways, and then he got loose from it. He, I think he may have had to cut some of it out, and he got loose from it, and he was running, and they, they captured him. Hmm. Which, you know, it's kind of – I guess he's really lucky that uh, – that they captured him and sent him to a to a, a camp somewhere uh, because the Germans weren't real good about capturing us, and we weren't real good about uh, taking care of them either. No, yeah. but luckily he survived the war. I had a great uncle who was a airborne paratrooper in World War II right there at that same area, Battle of the Bulge, and unfortunately for my great uncle, he died in the Battle of the Bulge at oh, age man. 24, 25, as I've relayed before here on the show but we want to remember all of our great heroes who both survived and those who perished in the greatest generation in world war ii especially with d-day last week jerry we got to go to break when we come back we're going to talk to you about something a little bit more modern day that's up next here on y'all talk with a southern accent It's the final segment of this Monday edition of the talk show that's all about the Southeast. I'm John Rawl. This is Tales from Jerry Short. It's Takapola time with the teller of tales from Takapola. And Jerry, we here on this show, you and I both, we we like to talk, but we also like to listen to people who talk for a living. And a lot of those people make a lot more money than we do. I don't know how, but they do. I'm talking about the, the great one. I'm talking about other people out there, like back when he was on the air, Bill O'Reilly. And I guess he's kind of still on the air, but I don't know where he is these days. He's probably doing books. Yeah. But, Jerry, something you and I have talked about off the air before that has fired both of us up. And if we do this on the Y'all Show, please come take our microphones away, y'all, and silence us. We are not going to poke fun and bash the South, make the South our punching bag, like so many of these national pundits who even claim to be conservative. Jerry, I'm sick and tired of conservative talk media bashing the Southeast. Well, you know, uh, I think I said something about uh, what William Faulkner said, that the past is never dead or something. It's not even past. I think it's... I think that's kind of that's how it went you butchered it a while ago but hey oh i butchered it <laughs> yeah yeah i think so <laughs> you know i'm trying to pull it out of my head so anyway you got a lot in uh, that head so i understand why it's hard to pull yeah. it out correctly <laughs> but he, but any but anyway see you knew and I, well i i knew but i you you screwed it up so bad i was like i don't think that's right but don't put me on the spot <laughs> but jerry just like any good guy coming out of the bullpen you 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 saved the best for last so yeah well, you, you go. got it fixed there you go. So anyway, as we were talking about journalism and uh, the media and things of that nature, and uh, uh, of course you're you're big time media, and I've I've played a real small role in uh, sports media mostly, but uh, um, 
the thing about it is, is like I just said about Faulkner, I'm not not even going to attempt it again. It'll probably be butchered next time. But what he had said, that really stands true today. And I was the first t- uh, show that I ever was on, a talk show, was Bill Cunningham out of Cincinnati, Ohio, WLW. And I was going to my office one night when I was working for this uh, major company, and I'd go over at night a lot of nights and work up stuff, and I'd listen to the radio going over. And Bill Cunningham had a guest on, and they were talking. Uh, that was back during when uh, that was about 84, I would say. That was when uh, Ethiopia had the phantom going on, and everybody was starving to death, and they had uh, – they also had a civil war going on, I think, between uh, in the Russians and uh, Cuba kind of got, got together in that. And, okay. and we, we couldn't get anything to them. You know, they, uh, of course, the leaders, uh, the dictators, they would take care of that. So they was talking about that on the radio that night. And, and the host uh, was Bill Cunningham, and he hadn't been doing it very long, a couple of years. But his guest on there was a professor out at University of Cincinnati or Cincinnati University, however you prefer it. And uh, he said something that was so off the wall that I had to call and uh, couldn't get through. If you ever listen to Bill Cunningham show, he would say stuff like, and my next call, I'm going, we've got to go to a commercial break right now. Next caller would be Bill, John, James, Bill, uh, Alice, James or something, you know. And then you'd say, gosh, I ain't got a chance to get done. And it was an hour difference in our time, in a time zone. So I, I went, uh, I knew I couldn't get on if I didn't go to the uh, general office in Cincinnati. So I got that number uh, and I called it. And I told him that I was from Mississippi and I wanted to talk about it. just so happened that the person there was a professor uh, that was there from Mississippi. And he was like a invited professor, I guess. And uh, he, he he was at Cincinnati. So Bill led me on the air, and he let me contradict the guy. And, it, I mean, he was so conservative. Everything I said was conservative. He wouldn't take any other guest. He kept me on for an hour. And at the end of the session, he said, I agree with everything, or, well, about 90% of everything our guest from Mississippi said, Jerry said, and he said, I agree with him. I agree with about 10% of what you said, he told a professor there. And uh, he said, I feel sorry for the students out at Cincinnati that have to listen to your stuff every day. <laughs> so, so he did say that. And so, you know, I wrote Bill Cunningham a letter. Uh, didn't get a return of the letter, but I thought I should have. But anyway, he was conservative, and I listened to him forever. He had a trucking bozo on there with him. He called him and all, and they'd do stuff together. And that kind of got me interested in talk shows because 84, 83, that was about the first time talk shows really, you know, Rush hadn't even come out then. That's right. Uh, he was out in Sacramento. I heard him when I was driving through California one day on a Sacramento radio station. And I thought, my gosh, this guy's great. Well, he was actually just about our second conservative talk show host. So uh, you know, I, I believed in these guys and, uh, but then they started knocking the South, and they couldn't get anything out of their mouth without knocking the South. 
So I heard his Mark Levin the other day. And uh, he's, he's talking you mean, you about. You mean the great one? The great one. I think I heard you say that earlier in our conversation. Everybody calls and, him that. I don't call him that. This is a guy I don't call him that, that, that President Trump must have amnesia because Mark Levin, he bashed President Trump in 2016, 2015. And now they're like best of friends. President Trump's constantly tweeting about him. President First Trump, you need to take care of those who took care of you, like the y'all show. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Trump, he got to know him probably through Hannity. Because Hannity calls him the great one. He gave him the name. He must own part of his show. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Levin is a lawyer out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He was born in Philadelphia. He grew up in Philadelphia. Which is he fine. Spent, That's fine. Yeah, uh, we can yeah. handle Yankees. Okay. Yeah. But what we can't handle are people who continuously bash the South. And Mark Levin's been bashing the South for a long, long time. And they really says a good word. They really, Jerry, you and I talked about this during the Obama years. They loved to bash the South when Obama was president because they could bash the South for its history so they could turn around and say stuff against Obama and not be considered a racist. That's right. They could get away with it and nobody could call them a racist. And they could say whatever they wanted to say, they could say what they pleased to say. Well, the other day he was talking and it really got me worked up and and he was he was he was tying the South completely broad brushing one hundred percent of the South in with Dem- the Democratic Party. Now we were a big time majority Democratic Party, and I, and that came back because of Abraham Lincoln, I would think it did because you know you got to go all the way back to eighteen sixty. And before that, with, we were heavy Democrat, going yeah, back to Andrew Jackson, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and that become you know, and we so we stayed. We were Democrats because they were Democrats were conservative, but they love to use that stuff now on us. Conservatives, they, conservative you know, media they, tries to say people. that the South's yeah. all Democrat history, which is true. Mm. But the Democrats of nineteen thirty, forty, fifty. Going back to Andrew Jackson's time is not the Democratic Party of today. No, but they want you to think it is, and they want to put it off on everybody else and make everybody believe that that's what we are, that we're the same identical thing that we were in 1861. You know, that that's us. We're we're Democrats. That's what we stand for. We caused all this. And it was going on as far as, as tying us in with the problems up north in the big cities, they're, you know, they're southern problems. They're southern because the southerners are Democrats. So it, everything that was bad, and then they went back to Charlottesville about the statue, and they had to go in, and they, they were saying he was saying stuff like, "Well, yeah, at the statue, what they do, they hide behind the statue, and they act like they're honoring their 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 historians and their forefathers, and they're not." They historian they honoring the Confederacy. And we all know that the Confederacy, they they lied and rewrote history with by putting statues up. You know, they go into all that stuff. They say we re- rewrote history by putting Confederate statues up and re- and making people think that we were all so good when we were nothing but just uh, all about slavery, about nothing else. They don't ever mention the tariffs they had on us, you know, to kind of keep us down. Now, all of a sudden, tariffs a dirty word for them. But, you know, I heard just the other day, I heard Kyle say, uh, we don't believe most of my people in the Democratic, in the Republican Party 
We don't believe in tariffs at all. McConnell. Boy, they all, huh? You talking about McConnell said that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he said that. And uh, you know, they, they about tariffs. We don't know. None of us believe. It. Well, they're going. They're going against our president. And you know, our president. And then oh, he brought that up too. That he said what he said. There's some good people here today in Jarville, and there's some bad people here today. And they said, well, look, there's no good people there. There's Confederacy stuff, you know, and this is conservative talk hosts that are bringing this stuff back down on us. Yeah, we're not and mad at liberal system. talk because no. look, we don't expect them to be a fan of the South for any reason no, anyway. whatsoever. Right. But conservative right. media at least should have a – I mean, look, without the South, there would never be a Republican ever elected again. And well, all you got to go back is the, Democrat, the Dixiecrats. What if it hadn't have been Dick or Dixiecrats? Do you think a Republican, do you think uh, Nixon would have been elected if people hadn't started changing at the at the voting booth no. by then? No. No. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have ever been a Republican. Republicans would have been done with Ike Eisenhower. Yeah, he would have been the last Republican president. And if not and for I, his status with World War II, he would never have been elected. He wouldn't have been there. That's the only thing he got in. And uh, so, I mean, you know, but they, they don't tell it that way. They tell it their way. They rewrite history with their mouth. And, <laughs> I love it. Know, Send a copy yeah. of this to DJ Trump at Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue, and he needs to start okay. backing us because I'm tired of him promoting the great one and all these scalawags, of which they're not really scalawags because yeah. they're not really from the South, but they use the South as a punching bag. And again, as I told you, this goes back to the Obama years. This goes back to setting up the South to bring us down like we're the only part of the country that's ever had scars just so they can go after Obama in the past and whatever else they want to go after these days. Enough's well, enough. Said, we're not enough we're not taking enough. it, y'all. No, we're not taking it, y'all. You're right. And uh, you know, it's like you go back to Mark Levin. He was he was on the staff of Reagan. But he played a minor role. But if you listen to him, he was vice president. And uh, yeah. he didn't play any big role on Reagan's. Hey, uh, Jerry, I bet you I had more interaction with Ronald Reagan than Mark Levin. I bet you did, too. He, he actually called me by my first name and gave me my diploma and from the Citadel. Right. And I bet you he never called Mark Levin his name in his life. I'll put a bet on that any day with Mark Le- with the great one. Jerry, we got to wrap up right. with you quickly. Let's throw okay. Billy Cunningham, Willie Cunningham, into the mix. He said something recently uh, about yeah. this, too. So let's add him to the mix. You got 30 seconds. Go. Oh, well, I got to throw Cunningham in there because Cunningham is he's come against us at the same way. When he tried to tie the two together, I think I brought that up a while ago. He tries to tie the Democrats and he tries to tie the South together. And uh, that's not true. And he knows it's not true. And he's he's almost like just turning on you in midstream. And so, no, I'm not a Willie fan anymore. And I'm not going to listen to Willie Cunningham anymore. And when he sets in as a host, he was a host for Mark Levin the other night. Ah, okay. And I, you know, they're buddies too. So you see, that conservativeism, buddyism, is all linked together. Mm-hmm. It's a chain of them, which is to couple out of it. Yeah. So we've got to then fight back and quit taking this stuff. Well, the South is where it's at, and we're right here in the heart of the South pushing forward our message that the south is not perfect by no means are we saying that but it ain't it ain't what these so-called conservative pundits use as a punching bag and we're yeah. going to stand up for the south jerry no, thank you for standing up vote and they take yeah they take our electoral college 
they, they love it, you know. Mm-hmm. But as far as us as people and our ancestry, that they thumb down on that. So let's get them. Yeah, let's go take them back. The War Between the States, Part 2. At least, uh, the battle of northern aggression is coming back northern it's talk show back. aggression is what southern it is southern aggression this time yeah right. southern talk right. aggression is what it's going to be go. this time hey there jerry you thank you we look forward to talking to you again next week you are so welcome all right jerry and short now i'm gonna calm down all right go listen to right. bill cunningham all right that will wrap up our show today thanks for listening we'll be right back here for the tuesday show tomorrow you don't want to miss it this has been y'all talk with a southern accent <laughs>